on today's episode of the Glue Guys, we're going to dive deep into this series. Nets, Sixers, Game 3 coming up on Thursday. Yeah, it's, it's a big break, big break. Big break, let's talk. <laughs> Nets down in an O2 hole. Well, they're gonna That's okay. bean themselves out of it. I was bored in the darkness, Brian. Let's get into the show. Let's get in there. Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuysNetsDaily.com. The Athletic. Get yourself on the paywall. TheAthletic.com slash GlueGuys. A subsidiary of the New York Times Company. Brian. Michael. You know, in my job at The Athletic, I talked to one of one of the main comms people at the Times. One a of the delightful main human. comms people. You lucky dog. Uh, named Jordan Cohen, an absolute delight Huge of a man. And, shout out. and he has the power to get press releases sent out from the New York Times company's website. I'm playing the, the long game to get a Glue Guys press release okay. from the New York Times saying, like, you know, like something like headline, Glue Guys, colon, best Nets podcast, question mark. You know, and then like it's a press release and. Turn that I'm, question I'm, mark into an exclamation point, and you got my <laughs> buy-in. You got my sign-off. Speaking of exclamation points, let's talk about this Sixers-Nets playoffs. <laughs> um, Why are we pretending I, to be happy? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, well, I'm, I am happy to pod. I'm happy to pod. Oh, that's nice. And that's talk to you. And we haven't talked. I mean, it, it, it sucks, you know, that we didn't pod after. You know, it was my fault for not potting after game one. Uh, and and now it's after game two, and the Nets are down 2-0. And are you scared? Are you do you, are you hateful? Uh, do you hate the Sixers? How do you feel right now, Brian? You know, we were streaming the game, and you don't know about that. If you're not on the Discord, shout out to the Discord, discord.gg slash glue guys. Get in there. Um, and, you know, getting pretty triggered by, you know, like six minutes, fourth quarter, standard fare. We're getting ticky-tacky fouls on Embiid. And now we're in foul trouble and the game's just grinding to a halt and, um, you know, so on and so forth. We missed, well, there's a lot of personal responsibility we, we should have on the team as well. Like, let's not discount a lot, of, a lot of missed shots, so on and so forth. But I was getting pretty triggered, fairly butthurt, a little ass mad even, you might say. And I had to recall back to, you know, our pre-playoff podcast um, and just honor my previous self, Mike, because I knew that that's what it was going to be like. And... I knew that being triggered by how annoying the Sixers are and they're super annoying. Yes. We, we knew that um, was, it was just going to rear its ugly head and it did. And so I had to like, okay, just like enjoy the fact that I'm feeling angry because we're in a competitive game, you know, <laughs> just enjoy the process of being here. Trust yes. the process. Um, Trust. Oh, uh, no, no, no. Nice. no, don't do that. But um yeah, so anyways, it's been that last game was frustrating only because we seemed to be playing kind of well in the first half, especially, and then dovetailed or not dovetailed, just did poorly um soon thereafter. But 
But um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a, it's been a little bit predictable, Mike. Hey, actually, shout out to you because we talked about this and you specifically said that Royce O'Neill and Dorian Finney-Smith would be doing a lot of coverage on Joel Embiid and that that would be a, a good strategy. And Joel had a bad game despite everything last night. And also, I mean, like he had a decent game, game one. Um, but I, I think that in general, shout out to those guys plus Jacques Vaughn and you, Mike, for yep. all being on the That's same page <laughs> with yep. with that strategy. Um, we have not really leaned on on Nick Claxton to just shoulder that load independently. So um, yes, yeah. So there's that. There's that little silver lining, Mike. Let Let me read a quote from Joel Embiid last night. This is what Embiid uh, said after to? the game. I saw after the game last time. They, the Nets, kind of took the Nick Nurse route of begging for free throws and calling out the referees. Oh, my God. They did come out, and they got a lot of calls, which I guess is good for them. What happened? Oh, my in the second, God. Yeah. What happened in the second half was that we just figured out what worked, and we kept doing it over and over again. They stuck to their game plan, and they did not make any adjustments. Oh, dude, the, now, pro- first, the projection on that. calling the kettle black. Dude, not even. It's just complete projection. It's not like... It's just it's it's uh, I, I, he needs to have his head examined, like if if that was his takeaway. There is not a team in the NBA that complains more for foul calls than a Doc Rivers coach team than Joel and James. James Harden is the greatest foul accumulator in NBA history. Yeah, the intentional fouling that he calls for. And how first, like, there, I could do a cut up of James Harden standing at half court complaining to a ref while the ball's on the other side of the court and his team is getting scored on because he is complaining about calls. He's giving up defense there, to complain about calls. There's like, um, you know, like Steve Jobs had this thing like the reality vortex or something where like his. No, tell me. Uh, it's, so it's a, it's just like. I don't know. It's a meme, but like, basically like he was so like, it didn't matter if something was real or not. He just like had a way of convincing everybody around him. Like, Hey, this is the thing. It's, it's awesome. And it's going to be great. And like, everyone's like, yeah, you seem super into it. Like that's sort of, there's like a reality vortex in Philly. <laughs> like, cause I was like, it's not just the whole institutions. The fans are in on it too. Like there was, I remember it was like pretty much like one or two plays after the most obvious, uh, 24 second violation the world has yes. ever seen on PJ Tucker of all people in the corner, like two feet firmly on the ground ball, basically at chess level with the clock hitting zero and then bricked a three that led to a second chance opportunity, which w- was a hardened three classic triggering possession, of course. Um, and then like they, I forget who it was, but somebody like authentically fouled Mikhail bridges or something going to, or maybe Seth Curry, um, trying to shoot a layup and it was like obviously a foul and then which begot a ref you suck chant from <laughs> from Sixers fans a full-throated ref you suck which is like it was just so perfect like the they're very good at that they're very good at, at campaigning for themselves and I can't tell if it's real or not I can't tell if Joel is like oh is is layering it on expertly just because like it's sort of Trumpian right like if you you know, you just accuse the other side of the thing you're doing and then it muddies the water sort of sort of situation. <laughs> it's like Alvin Bragg, the DA, uh, is being racist against Trump right. is why he brought the case right. Sure. Yeah. 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 yeah absolutely. And it's it's Joel Embiid is the Donald Trump of the NBA. You said it. Yeah. Came straight. That's the headline for today's I'm good episode. with that. I'm gonna stick with it. <laughs> um I do want to get to the second part of that quote. 
you know, they, he talked about how the Nets kept doing the same thing over and over again. They stuck to their game plan and didn't make any adjustments. Okay, so I wanted to ask you, what do you have more of a problem with, the defensive game plan or the offensive game plan? And I think, one, there's something they could do about it. The other one, I don't think they could. I don't think on offense, there are people that want Cam Thomas in this series. <laughs> yeah, it does Can keep we cropping up. Do, do we under – like, okay, I, I'm – I am going to be the person who, you know how people say, like, I'm on Cam Thomas Island, right? You know, and you stay on the island and sure. you support that guy, you know, famously, like, uh, the people have loved. Like, I was always on the Bobby Portis Island, and look at Bobby Portis now. Wow. Uh, but way to, I mean, it's, it must be glorious on Bobby Portis Island. It's a tropical, <laughs> it's a tropical beach. Me, me and BP are sitting there drinking Mai Tais yeah, all day. Yeah. Uh, a flame of Mai Tai. I am. Can I be the helicopter pilot off Cam Thomas Island? Like I, I, I don't want to be disrespectful, but <laughs> he is not the answer. To this oh, you series. want to like emergency <laughs> airlift people off the island? Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm the red helicopter yeah. that sh- dumps yeah. water on the fiery island and then gets people out of there right. via some hammock device. Yeah. Okay. Cam Thomas is not the answer. There are answers that they could do on offense, but what what do you think? I mean, obviously, in game one, the Nets' defense wasn't good enough. In game two, their offense wasn't good enough. What are you more concerned about, or do you do you not separate it? You're just saying, hey, it's kind of oh, a it's, whole it's team. It's super obviously the offense. I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> is that is that a hot take? I, I can't be sure. I mean, no. I mean, I, I guess I also have problems with the defense, so I'm just trying to attribute. Even though the defense played well, like the, so, here's my. You want to hear this galaxy brain theory? I love this. Okay, so the Nets are obviously on defense. They're collapsing on Joel. Like I said, that they would, even though that's not Brilliant. how I would Ge- handle genius. it. Genius. Nobody could have seen. <laughs> no, I, you guys should guard yeah. this this guy, Joel Embiid. Yeah. Um, but they're collapsing and they're giving up open shots to Maxi, PJ Tucker, people like that. I think that the confidence that the the Sixers role players are getting on the offensive side of the floor is making them better defenders on the defensive side of the floor. If you think about this, okay? okay? So the, the, the Nets are making life harder for Joel Embiid, and they are doing a very good job of that. And I may have been yelling. I was wearing, I'm, for, for the YouTube audience, I was wearing, I'm wearing my big headphones. Yeah, the noise cancelers. And and I couldn't hear myself, so I was just yelling. Yeah. I think I was just yelling into the void. Well, keep um, keep it at that same level because otherwise it'll be a totally different volume. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, so <laughs> I was <laughs> no, and and so what what does happen? This is a fact. Okay, it, just go along with me. This is a I, fact. I'm on board so far. That if you are hitting shots on the offensive side of the floor, most NBA players then play better defense because they have. Uh, positive reinforcement. They have more ener- more confidence. I'm going to need you to say your sources already. I mean, let's take more this. involved. <laughs> I've listened to so many interviews with NBA players, and, and they, they just like and they to be self-report having more confidence. This is yes, this is deeply yes. unscientific. Yeah, this is it, this is it, acupuncture adjacent it, pseudoscience. I am. I have an acupuncture appointment scheduled for tomorrow. So thank you yeah. very much. A, I will talk to my acupuncturist about this. There's a reborn every day, Mike. I don't know what to tell you. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and so this is – I understand this. But like literally, I, I think the entire Sixers team, because they're all making shots, they're all – it's a, a disbursement of scoring 
that they then translate to the defensive side wow, of the this floor. Is, this is a crazy theory. You lost played, me. No, it, it is not, it's, a, it's a proven <laughs> fact. That if actually, you are active I, on the offensive side, you will be active on the defensive side. I actually side. have the opposite. Well, let me say this. Maybe it's not the opposite. Let me let me try to meet you halfway. Let me meet you where you're at. Um, Maybe at least a quarter of the way. <laughs> let me get to your side. Um, I actually was commenting on how I didn't like how they were closing out so hard on bums like P.J. Tucker because sure. – Dare him to shoot those shots, make it a big, make it a thing, you know, where it's like, go ahead. We're actually, a part of our plan is to let, because, you know, when we're collapsing as hard as we are anyways, like, there's going to be an open guy. If it's P.J. Tucker, like, sweet, that's your your best option. Um, so He's bad at basketball. He's bad at basketball. Can we just, can he, we just say that? He's, he's, he's done a horrible job I on Mikael Bridges. I specifically dislike him because he's the one... He, he thwarts in just in his own, just how bad he is. He thwarts my like thick thighs, you know, being a massive contributor <laughs> to basketball theory. He's like, he's the counterfactual. Of that know, Brian has thick thighs scouting LLC. It's an LLC, yeah. a limited liability corporation that only scouts thick thighs. Yeah. Um, business is good. It's, it's booming actually, but <laughs> we have to deal with this, this, um, this problem. That's PJ Tucker. Cause he's ruining everything. But yeah. so I, I would like it if they like, didn't they, picked and choose certain yes, role players right. to not close out so hard on. Um, because also it's contributing to this like hideous problem that we have with just like, it's not even offensive rebounding. It's like 50, 50 balls that are just landing in the Sixers lap. Like every, basically every time all game long. And I do think it's because we're spread a little thin and we're chasing, we're chasing the ball around like mad, like mad people. And when you're doing that, um, it is hard to like sort of position yourself to just scramble for loose balls and things like that. And just generally be, you know, able to recover after closing out super hard. So that's my theory. Yes. It's not, it sort of works with yours a little bit. There's a part of it that you can kind of you're squint giving, at. You're and, giving me a lot of like I credit. I'm a nice guy. Coverage like, I'm a that. nice person. Yeah. I, okay. I think the nets, the, the, the primary adjustment that I would make if I was Jacques Vaughn, and this is odd to say, uh, not odd in that if you watch the two games, you would understand it, but odd in the fact that how much we pressured, put pressure on this young man's shoulders going into this series. Small ball nets is really just the thing that has to happen because mm. that's going to be the only thing that's going to juice the offense. I don't have Nick Claxton's point total in front of me. He scored zero points in the the first game of the playoffs. And, or the second game of the playoffs has scored five games in the first game of the playoffs. He was averaging 2.5 points per game so far in the playoffs. And I don't even say that as a, a diss of Nick Claxton. It is just hard for him to operate where he is playing pretty good defense on Embiid. I, I think it's a good team effort on Embiid, but he's a complete zero on the offensive side of the floor. He can't even operate because Embiid is so overwhelming as a defender. The small ball... The small ball thing would have worked out better if Royce O'Neal could hit a shot last I mean, night. Everybody was was laying bricks. Um, Besides even, Joe Harris, playoff playoff Joe. He did not listen playoff to playoff Joe. Our, Come our around, last podcast. <laughs> Big not. shot Joey. Big shot Joey. Big shot Joe buckets. I, just coming in and hitting. Th- can the guy? You know who? You know what though? This is how fraudulent plus minus is. Joe Harrison was plus 19 last night hey, in the game. playoff Joe. Playoff Joe. He was 0 for 2 from the field, 13 minutes, but plus 19, which, yeah. again, uh, will really help his stats. Yeah, no no one was hitting anything. He, Bridges had one of his worst games 
um, shooting wise as a net. Cam Johnson was about the only thing that was keeping the Nets around. You you did give me credit early on in the podcast, which I always appreciate when I get credit because I'm a person that feeds off compliments. I do have to. I know that about you. That in order, to, yeah. otherwise, I'll just shut down. You'll just flip the monopoly board, and that'll be it. <laughs> That's actually true. Yeah. Um, I said that Spencer Dinwiddie would have a big series, and <laughs> yeah. There's a glaring spotlight on Spencer, the shots that he, he takes, really should and the be having a he good. Throws. He should be having a good series, though. Like it, of of, there's like, sorry to interrupt you, by the way, but let me just, no. yeah. There's like we're we're doing a sort of um, a variety attack on on offense here, and and none of it's really like I, I would like it for us to test a th- like one weakness and see if we can exploit it, you know, and then maybe have that open up the other parts of the offense. But right now it's just like, we're doing like not that much driving, not that it's like, I guess like the, the three point shooting is the one thing that we've landed on is like, okay, that's going to be our identity on offense throughout this entire series. And that's been pretty disastrous so far, just because people are missing wide open shots. So like plan B is, I guess, Spencer driving to the rim, which like, you know, in moments where we're not scoring for, you know, long periods of time it's awesome to have spencer like do that and have it work out it's not like a sustainable thing again i'm i'm looking for like some edmund sumner i'm looking for a little penetration in this in this friggin' well, game here like you you bring up edmund sumner so are you part of the cam thomas crowd are you no. are you part of the unleash cam no i'm not it's by the I way think i Tucker, think they're pretty different do you think do you think they're pretty similar no, I think they're. Di- I I do think they're different, but I think the idea behind. I know you're not a golfer like me. You're not a big golfer, but pulling out that hybrid club when you, you really golf? need it. Is this a whole part of your life that I know nothing about? Not, not really. I talk mm. to other dads about golf. That's oh, wow. the extent of my golfing. You know, you're lying about golfing to other dads. <laughs> <laughs> it Jeez. happens. Like, hey, we got to get out there. We got to get on the links. <laughs> that's um, that's the extent of my golfing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, hit we, me we up. Got to do it. Hit, so it shoot me that text. On a never Sunday. Com- yeah. That text never comes. I don't want it to come. Um, yeah. We we I did go bowling. I did dad bowling. I did bowling with other dads, and it felt. My my wife's father said you're too young. To, to, that, he's like that's that's an old man's activity. I was like, Jack, what? Jack. In fact, I am firmly within the pocket of that being my activity. What does Jack want you to do? Like rock climbing or something? What's his? I don't yeah. Smoke cigars and do cocaine or something? I don't know what he wants. Right, that but that's cool. uh, yeah. that's what my father in law would like me to do. Quick break. Coming back. Quick break. And I have so much more I want to talk about this series, but I do want to talk about Edmund Sumner, Cam Tom. I want to talk about the bench juicy upness. Yeah, let's do it. And we're back, Brian. Yeah. So you're calling for a little Edmund Edmund Sumner. I want I want some summertime. You want some Sumner time. Fort Sumner again, I'm gonna clarify. You're you're anti Cam Thomas. You hate Cam Thomas. You don't want to see him play. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think that's fair. I think it's a fair thing. Like I, the, I know Jock was asked about it, and I actually really credit Jock for it. he answered the question about whether he would play Cam Thomas, and he's like, "Yeah, I thought about it," um, but I think I want people to understand this, and I know there are people who listen to this podcast that love Cam Thomas. Yeah, the second that that guy steps out on the floor, one, the Sixers are know know what exactly what he's going to do, and Cam may ha- score forty points in a game. But the Nets are going to give up 130 in that game. They're just going to give up a whole bunch of points. The thing that the Nets really need is for, again, Royce O'Neal was two for nine from three in the small ball Nets. He played 36 minutes. God, I like Royce, okay? And I think that 
there's going to be a difference going from an away team to a home team. The the role players on teams always play better at home. I mean, everyone usually plays better at home, but it is the role players who thrive in sort of those spots. There's less pressure not being on the road. They play at home. It's just statistically, usually your role players play better. And like if Royce goes and he hits a couple of, it's of two for nine, he hits four for nine. The Nets are a little bit closer in this game, right? And if Mikhail Bridges hits one more three, the Nets are closer. If Spencer Dinwiddie hits a little <laughs> few more shots, they win the game. Here, here's right? here's what I can here's what we can do. Joe Harris is thirteen minutes. You just slot that right over to Teddy Sumdog and Sumdog Millionaire. <laughs> we're, we're, yeah, that's good. We're and we're in business, Mike. Because I mean, not really, but like, I just think like a lot of what was prepared. Like one thing we didn't account for, or I don't know if we account or can account for is like Tyrese Maxey, just like improbably having yeah. a really good quarter, you know, like, and they do have sort of three levels of offense. They have their water bug guard. They have the sort of the heart, the hardened thing, whatever that is. And then obviously Harden they have, had a bad game. Harden I, had a like, bad game. And also it was so weird after game one, people were like, James Harden was James Harden. James Harden had, it was like a good quarter, yeah. you know, and, and but honestly, he can have such a good quarter that it just like you know it just looks good on paper. And yeah, because when overnight. he's hitting the yeah. three step backs in one quarter, and then he gets the line twice, and he gets a layup. Yeah, now it's pretty. It's pretty n- nice. Now you're now you're a twenty ten and ten all of a sudden. But because they won the game and the Nets stink, you know the, he he shoots three for thirteen from the field. He has five turnovers, and Bean had eight turnovers. So like you know. Although I mean, he was, two two of those came at the very end of the game on complete meme steals. Did you see those? That was just Cam yeah. Johnson trolling him, which I yeah. fucking loved. I I so if we're going winners and losers of the first two games for the Nets, Cam Johnson is by far the biggest winner. I mean, Mikhail had an awesome game one. Game two, not as great, but like he Cam, I think had or Mikhail had seven assists in game two, which is by far the highest assist. It has to be the highest assist total because he's not a big distributor yet. That's not part of his bag mm. is getting shots for other guys. But Cam Johnson is, has been revelatory wow. um, so far in this series. He has been the, the constant he's been hitting his shots. He's been hitting heat check shots. He had the dunk on MB. Big donkey, huge donkey. Big donkey. Yeah. I tried to record that on the, on the dirty stream. Oh, and I was going to share it, but like it, it wasn't like letting me stop and then start it up from the moment. Is a when, cl- the clipping feature on Twitch? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I was trying to figure it out. I've uh, actually I've never really spent time with it, and it does seem confusing to me. Yeah, but Cam Johnson, big winner. Mikael Bridges had just a phenomenal game one, and obviously that game really got poopy by the end. I say losers right now, an impromptu segment. Like, is Nick Claxton a loser? <laughs> losers, losers right now with Mike Smith. Um, is Nick Claxton? No, Nick Claxton's not a loser. I think he's done it. This is what he, this is who he is. I don't, I, I think he cannot be, he will never be a reliable source of offense. Not ever, but he's just not. I, I like, I mean, I have legitimately liked what they've done on defense in a lot of ways. Yes. Like, I think the idea that they're throwing two guards to double Embiid versus a guard plus Nick Claxton is making, it, it's just, it's, way better for a lot of reasons. Um, it just helps us to it's well, it hasn't resulted in getting any godforsaken rebounds, Mike, which is a huge problem. And I would love oh. it if Nick Laxon could shore up that part of the game a little bit. So in that case, small little asterisks on this. He's not a loser thing, but it does help for, you know, the secondary 
uh, defender to still be Nick Claxton while we're doubling Embiid. I don't know if you remember this, but when we were growing up, when they would go to like uh, the post game shows after basketball, there was only so many stats that you could throw out there. Okay, and one of the primary ones to be an indicator, at least according to the analyst, about who should win the game or who why the team won the game is team rebounds, mm. right? And it'd be like, oh, this team out rebounded the other team. Rebounding was so prevalent as a big deal when we were growing up, and now well, they're like not it's really free discussed. possessions. That's what that you know. That's that's the logic there. They got if we're saying free possessions. The the Sixers got 23 more rebounds than the Nets, which is, again, in a relatively close game all throughout, a game that was competitive where both teams went to the free throw line. One went, the Nets had 17 free throw attempts. The Sixers had 16. So that was even. Yeah. The Sixers did not hit a tremendous amount of threes. They did not hit a tremendous amount from the floor. It was the rebounding. And so even, so like what I want to wonder is like, I I want more small ball. I want better small ball. But if you're going to get your asses kicked on the boards, is small ball? Am I wrong? Is small well, ball you, the answer? You can't have low efficiency shooting plus no rebounding. That's that's not going to go well for. Oh, is that bad? Is that <laughs> a bad game? Because so, like just to put the like, <laughs> can you imagine Jock on the whiteboard? He's like, all right, here's what we're going to do. <laughs> Miss- Forget rebounding. Yeah, I mean they and do. Also, part of me thinks that they do. Uh, get back on defense a little bit too quickly. Like I would like it if they got a little you. bit diggier, you know, when if they got diggy with it, Mike, uh, as, <laughs> I'll stop. Um, but to go back to what we were talking about though, like for, for the rebounding thing, like it, you know, the reason why statisticians have, have, you know, gone back and forth on this is cause like, yeah, in theory it gives you another possession, but like, there's a reason you don't run five Reggie Evans out there at a time um, because yes, low efficiency shooting, but gets more rebounding and you can have a lot of great rebounders. Does that ultimately get you where you want to be? Um, not necessarily. If the nets could have get a time machine and get either Reggie Evans, Jason Collins or Chris Humphreys, who would you want them to bring back? Who would help them? the most? I think it's probably Jason Collins, right? I mean, he sets a hell of a pick. He sets a hell of a pick. I can't say that for for Chris Humphreys or Reggie Evans. Brian Scalabrini. And he had his set shot Willie shot um, that Mark Jackson famously coined. So I guess I hate Reggie Evans. I did hate Reggie Evans. Reggie Evans, like I was, that is the player that triggered me the most. I think by far of anyone that ever played for the Nets. By far. By there's not even, and it's yeah, it's miles between first and second place. And so, uh, you know, there's this weird feeling I'm, I, I had. Game one got out of hand. That was, uh, you know, it it was kind of in a gra- there was a, a grasp that the Nets had on that uh, to go back to the helicopter, the red helicopter, emergency helicopter analogy. Like they had the tether for a second, but then they just fell off mm-hmm. and got crushed by a tree. Um, game two was close, and of course the Nets were up, and then they're offense just went completely kaputi and it yeah. was horrible and bad i mean they scored 14 <laughs> points in the third quarter 14 points is just disgusting my hope and why i'm not giving up i'm just not going to give up mm. is the nets have limited joel Embiid enough yeah he had 19 rebounds and seven assists and 20 points in game two yeah. but the, but it felt limited <laughs> Yeah, 100%. Um, he seemed frustrated and and uh like for if if the goal is just to have him 
have less of a good game than he normally would. If that's the only goal, not even to just win the game, because I feel like right. that's, you know, obviously the logic is if you shut him down, you might win the game. Those two things, not not they're closely related, but not one-to-one dependent on each other. Um, we've proven that out. Might be that we go, we, we zag a little bit and say, you know, um, actually, no, I liked what we did ultimately. I think there's a couple of things that we could just refine around the edges. Obviously, like the big gl- glaring issue was just like we couldn't shoot well, and that was our entire offensive strategy. So um, <clears throat> that's a problem, and, and we couldn't overcome it. But there was a lot of things to like you could – you could see the logic behind a lot of the decisions and say like, okay, like if, if we're going to try to eke out some wins on this team, like that's how you do it. Again, we got to keep this into context. You know, there was one, there was one person in our replies that I saw from like three days ago, something you wrote and somebody was like, nah, like this lot after game one, they're like, nah, this L is on JV. Like that rotation was terrible. It was like, guys, we really got to really take stock of where we are as a franchise at the moment. Like, I, and I'm doing this myself too. It's easy for me to get wrapped up in, in you yes. know, just dog chasing the ambulance here, like trying to get this win. It's going to be difficult to make this <laughs> a, a series. Um, I know that's a saying, but how many dogs do you see chasing ambulances? Is it often I, in your part of Brooklyn? Yeah, I don't really see it that often. I don't. I don't. Um, no, no. You're right. Where is yeah. where is this coming from? Um, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> maybe that was a big. Maybe in the olden days when the dogs are out though in Brooklyn, Mike. They use peanut butter to to heal wounds. They're crapping everywhere, Mike. You know, you know how I feel about them. Yes, I I mean, I'm a dog owner, but when I see people not pick up after their dog, I think those people should be thrown. I think that's the worst crime in America. The other thing too is that on a on a hot day, like if it rains and then it's hot after the rain, those potted plant things, like literally, every you just realize how much over the years crystallized urine is just lurking under the under the surface. Georgie used to, when we lived in uh, New York, there was like one of those grates on the ground that would like, that went, whatever was underneath, it was like 10 feet deep. Mm-hmm. And Georgie used to love to pee there. Yeah. And then when it would get hot, it would, the, just the waft of <laughs> dog, cri- as you said, crystallized dog urine yeah. was overwhelming for, <laughs> yeah, for, it's a lot for the 23rd Street livers. Um, yeah. I, it, it's like, of course the Nets are at a disadvantage. They the Sixers team has been together longer. They have the better players, at least at the top line. Um the the Nets were a team that was slapped together at the deadline because of various trades that happened, because Kyrie Irving completely nuked any chance that this team would have going forward. And yet I still don't think it's completely out of control. Uh, this series, I, I still think that there's a game to be won. One game at it's, least. It's game three, baby. We're getting this. <clears throat> That's the one. I, I've been really proud of. Uh, you know, there's people we follow on Twitter who drove down. There, you know, buses being sent from Barclays down to Philly, mm-hmm. um, and you know, I think the crowd will be pretty good for game three. Hopefully, it's a W, so we can have a good game four crowd and not a sad game four crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think the Jock did the right thing by relying more on small ball, uh, using Royce O'Neal. Unfortunately, he didn't hit his shots, which is so. I mean, it is a killer. You know, it's it. it but I think that's you're going to get more offense from Royce O'Neal than you're going to get from Nick Claxton. Your overall offense will be better with Royce in there as opposed to Nick Claxton. The problem it presents is that you're just going to get destroyed on the boards. Um, I. 
I do like Jock said something when he was talking about Cam Thomas about like, <laughs> have you thought about putting in Cam Thomas? And he essentially said, I would if I thought we weren't getting good shots. That we're getting good shots, but the Nets aren't putting them down. Mm. I've really been unimpressed by the Sixers' defense, which is hard to say when the Nets score 84 points. That's because the Nets are just so poor at shooting. But particularly in game one, like Bridges and Cam, jo- and Cam Johnson could get anywhere they want to on the floor. Dinwiddie can get basically anywhere you want to on the floor besides around the bucket because that's where, where Embiid is. I, I, am, I don't think Harden... I still think you can easily attack Harden. You can attack Maxi. My adjustment defensively is what you said, mm-hmm. is we need to be smarter about who we're switching off of and who's being left open. Because at times, Maxi's you can't just leave Maxi wide open. It has to be P.J. Tucker. You have to treat P.J. Tucker like he's Ben Simmons. Yeah. And Let, can and, the Nets put Ben Simmons on the And leave George's and Yang with a stupid S on his, you know, leave, you can leave him. I mean, whatever. He hits shots from time to time. Um, I hate that it's S, Mike. Vague, vaguely I, xenophobic. I hate that S. <laughs> vaguely? I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to hide it. Well, look at where our guy George's is from. Yeah, fancy S. Fancy it's S. probably from like Chicago, so it's um, xenophobic. No, I looked this up, actually, and it probably does. He's a, from Massachusetts, it. so yeah. There it is. But his family's from Senegal. So, yeah, well, way to go, Brian. Well, there it is. Um, he, oh, he's like you. He went to a northeast, northeast private school. He went to the tilted. Exactly. Exactly. So, exact, so you guys are basically the same person. <laughs> you don't see me thrown on random S's. Brian's Egan. No, I no, can see sir. it though. I, I would treat you with a lot more respect. <laughs> if you were Brian's Egan. George, George was a, a four star recruit. My guy. Yeah, my guy was really looking good at the Tilton School in Tilton, New Hampshire. Yeah, um, so yeah. yeah, leave leave guys like them. You know, let, just test out if they got the hot hand. You know, at least leave it to Lady Luck. You know, on a given night because Max is good and gonna get gonna get hot and like I don't know. It, this is sort of like cigar chomping um, sports talk kind of thing but like because like that, that's what we're sort of left with like, like we're saying like, it's yeah because it's, it's like yeah i mean right you know just make sure he doesn't get a hot hand and you'll be fine and you know that's those are you can't let joel and b get started yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly um, exactly um no. okay so i i guess where i'm floating is like realistically optimistic i am not necessarily optimistic that it's going to win the series but i don't think it's dead i like i'm like i when i say dead i mean they're not going to win the series but they are they will win game a game or two maybe because i i the nets have not had a great shooting night wow they it will come a great shooting night i I know you wanted this to sound positive mike but do you know what i did this (laughs) i did that whole thing where i don't know if you listen to alex schiffer pot i did where but i said this whole stat of where if dorian finney smith hits zero or one threes in a game the nets lose 80 percent of the time mm. and if they hit if he hits two or more the nets win 80 percent of the time well in both games he's hit two threes mm. i think or two or more damn uh and so Blew that whole dumb statute. stat that i yeah. that i made up is like <laughs> this is the x factor has been complete non-factor but it's only two i feel like if he gets up to four you know that's yeah, that he changes shoot six of them yeah. um i don't know i yeah i i am i am here uh my three things I would change again for this series is tell Spencer Dinwiddie, friend of the show, not to throw any more lobs. I 
for God for he can throw them because the guys are open. No, but he can't. They need to just be closer to the person. <laughs> he has been. I I don't know the if they ch- they chart uh, errant lob throws, but he is historically has to be one of the worst lob throwers in NBA history. Yeah, I love you, Spencer. I love you. You're my. You're, I'm a f- a fan of you. But God, what, how many more times do we have to see a lob throw or a step back three? Again, I asked Spencer on the pod about step back threes. Like, why do you take them? And he says he because he likes to, and he should. <laughs> that was that the answer? Basically, um, I'm paraphrasing. Um, um, I think so. I think keeping. I'm not blaming this on Spencer. Let's friend of the show. let's I not. Spencer. I mean, absolute friend of the show. Let's not bury friend of the show Spencer in the way that you are. Um, and go let's and, bury and, Cam and, Thomas and make an enemy. Um, I will. I do think that like we need to. Um, diversify our approach right there needs to be some like we talked about plan b being spencer driving it doesn't need to be more than just missing threes and spencer driving occasionally um lobs should be part of that conceptualization of of an offense um on in theory it, they just need to be they just need to be better they just need to be a lot more on the on the dot <laughs> we need to be yeah, able like, to do i love your coaching <laughs> like, you, you come up to him with the ipad you're like your lobs just be just yeah, be just better a better it's <laughs> just, like when you're a director just like just the better, same thing be a better actor don't change like, the thing just a little better um it's very stanley kubrick that's what he would do you know he just, just say do, do it better yeah. just like here's johnny he made like, he made just, apparently made like shelly duvall go crazy just by like you know hundreds of takes for a thing just be like just do it better that's the, is that what he said? Is that's, that the, bear, that's like a, I, I don't know why, I fell down like a YouTube shorts rabbit hole of watching Stanley Kubrick, you know. So anyway, ask every, me anything. Is every great director should, <laughs> yeah. like yourself. Um, you know, we talked about rebounding, like, is there an argument to go the other way and go like Claxton and Sharp together on the floor and just go beef, all beef all day? I don't, I don't need to see that. <laughs> why, why, why does that? Why is that attractive to you? Um, just because it, the offense would be the worst offense in yeah. NBA playoff history. Um, <laughs> you want to, but set, it would be fun to record. see two beefy guys out there and still lose the rebound. I think part of, I will say this: part of the losing the rebound is an element of the defense the Nets, Nets are playing because because they're doubling and then scrambling to yeah. find the open shooter. And because everyone's kind of scrambling, which is hard pl- playing defense, then they're vacating the Dude, their place in the paint. The one that even like made me super insane because it was just such a. I mean, there's so many like classic examples of just um, that going wrong for us. But like, there was one where Cam Johnson like just chest to chest blocked out because because he was recovering. He had to chest to chest box out um, PJ Tucker, and PJ Tucker just caught the ball like. His head is here, and he just caught the ball <laughs> where his head was between his hands and the ball, and uh, and that just it was like it was like okay, there's just there's nothing we can do to to get these rebounds. So maybe that's they've just punted on rebounding entirely. That seems what they've done. I do think you know, not to repeat myself, but I do think they can dig a little bit, you know, when the ball's squirting out like that, um, uh, to for to get an offensive rebound occasionally. But uh, it's a problem. It's just a problem. Is there anything else about the series that you want to mention? Let's think. Prediction. <clears throat> uh, I'm, I'm holding. I do think we win this game three, Mike. I don't know. I got a special feeling. I just, yeah, we should. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Because I, I think there's enough that went just like it, enough that went right again in the first half. That's like okay, there's something that you can build on there if you don't just completely poop your big boy pants in the third quarter and then let the files pile up by the fourth. I really don't think the Sixers' defense is what was the cause for the 84 point game. I mean, the the rebounding contributed to that. The disparity in rebounding, the fact that the Nets had five offensive rebounds uh versus let me scroll down 13 for the 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 Sixers had um but you know like Bridges had a bad shooting night Dinwiddie had a bad shooting night Claxton was 0 for 2 whereas O'Neal had a bad shooting night Joe Harris was 0 for 2 it's such a shocker he's just not hitting playoff shots Uh, Seth Curry was 3 for 8 which is usually going to rely on at least Seth Curry I mean I'll take 3 for 8 over 0 for 2 you know that's just stats (laughs) that's just math um yeah i mean i think conventionally you 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 know the sixers are favored in this game three i think that there's an element of the sixers team that i don't think they are the most intense team in the nba and i could see them feeling like they have this series and feeling quite yeah. relaxed yeah i do hope that i hope Jacques makes a little bit of adjustment which is again sm- <laughs> let's do smart switching meaning let's not just like double and switch on everything yep Leave PJ Tucker open. Leave who needs to be open left open. Um, Harden will be coming to back to New York as his stomping grounds, where he knows a lot of people. I'm sure you know it's springtime. Well, he hates it's cold weather. It's still too cold for him. What are you talking about? He it's 55 it. and partly sunny right now. Yeah, but gorgeous. He can't handle the cold, the cold, the the bitter cold yeah. in New York. City. <laughs> but he'll he'll be taking the team out to scores. I know it. I can already tell. And um, hanging out with Baba Bowie and Howard Stern at scores. What a, that would be pretty great if Harden yeah. did a Howard Stern interview, um, and he just got into it, just yeah. like Howard. <laughs> Howard got out. I, well, what the Nets need is is one of these players to have a very good shooting night: Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, or Seth Curry. Like one of those guys needs to do the thing that when teams win playoff games, um, where'd you uh, go? Okay. Dray- Draymond will probably not be suspended. Yeah. For game three. Hey, that so. is a fun series. I don't know if you watched. Yes. That is very fun. fun. Yeah. I mean, and it's uh, it's even like a juicy whoever comes out of the series, like if the Kings come out and it's the Lakers. Mm. So Kings Lakers. Oh Classic. how many times did we see Throwback. that? Or it's you know, it could be Warriors Grizzlies, or it could be I mean, Kings Grizzlies kind of like, you know, not that exciting. But every anything else, Warrior Warriors Grizzlies, Lakers. Lakers, Warriors, all that stuff. Wow. Anyways, uh, real quick, Vanderpump Rules. Um, You're following the Scandal closely. Absolutely, I'm following Scandal. Did closely. you see that uh, Tom Sandoval's first media appearance was on Howie Mandel's podcast to talk about this? No which way. I did, <laughs> of, all, Why? of all the podcasts, well, I didn't even really. I mean, I think I've seen that he has a podcast. He's a he must be a Howie Mandel guy. I don't know what why end up there. What would, what would you I know? Like like I I understand that Howie Mandel was like a very big comedian, but at a certain time. But he, that was before our time, and we're roughly the Bob, age of we had Bobby's Tom world. Sandoval. That was my my big introduction to Howie Mandel with just like that one image of him in the intro of Bobby's World, being like, I guess I'm related to this show in some way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I. It's hard to say that this season is enjoyable. I am invigorated by it, by the idea that that Vanderpump, like when you know when Jackson everyone left, 
I was like, this show's like just yeah. like these people are boring. They're all married. They're, they're just going to each other's houses. Like I can't just watch you guys like pop in with each other. You know, <laughs> it was the show. It was. <laughs> hey, we bought a new house yeah. with our reality TV money. Let's go sit let's in the go pool. Sit. Let's go. Yeah. And but but now there's something. Um, it has been reinvigorated by the scandal that we know is coming. It's like we know it's sort of like the red wedding. If you were a book reader in Game of Thrones, mm. you know. There's a thing that's going to happen yeah. that is so devastating to the fabric of the of the narrative. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's also like there's. It's like I'm watching the movie Marriage Story. Did you ever watch Marriage Story? I did. I saw that film. It, like Katie and Tom Schwartz. It, like, do I? I'm a child of divorce. I'm sensitive, you know, to divorce okay. a little All bit. Right. Maybe I get. Tr- maybe I'm triggered. <clears throat> Trigger warning. But here we go. I really don't. Uh, you know, is it like enjoyable to to watch like two people that suddenly seem to have dinner every day? Yeah. Why are they having so many dinners, Brian? Content, Mike. They know. You know. Ultimately, these people know how You're to right. make content, and you got to respect them for it. You're right. Like, like at the day after yeah. Tom Schwartz makes out with Raquel, he says, "I'm going to sit by the pool next to James Kennedy." Yeah. Like. Why would you ever? Why would you? Is God, I guess Schwartz though is so such a dumb, dumb man that he probably has no he's, clue that like, he's really frustrating to to watch operate just in life. Schwartz, I can understand why Katie, you know, maybe wasn't happy. I mean, no, they're, 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 they both suck. Let's. But anyways, we don't. But suck, you're a Sheena Mike. guy, and the, Sheena, you said dude, Sheena Sheena's having an amazing scene, uh, season right now. An amazing season. But she is such an operate like oh, the yeah. whole. But that's what I like. She's she understands the con- she's got content brain more yes. than anybody. Yes, and yes, she, yes, she does. <laughs> yeah, she pulled Tom Schwartz into her podcast. It's yeah. something that like we would do. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I gotta respect the hustle and I respect content. Content. We brain. were the first New York media outlet to have Billy King. When after he was fired. That's very. That was a very Sheena move of you, Mike. Let me, let me <laughs> tell you what. I take that as a compliment. That, like, it is. Right? You should. That's why I meant it. Um, all right. Well, I think game three is Thursday. What? Thursday at seven Thursday. at seven p.m. An early tip. Well, I'm excited for the Barclays crowd to get that playoff experience again. Hopefully, it's a dub. So then, game four could also be fun, and we have that glimmer of hope. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen, but I I don't I don't think the Sixers are such a juggernaut that yeah. it's impossible. No, we're going to get that one. Um, at BK Glue, sorry, at BK Glue guys on Twitter, the New York Times, get yourself a crisp rag, pa- get the papers, get yourself get, the papers. Get you, let's sell some, let's sell some New York Times papers. It's a dollar fifty or whatever. No, if two, you two, it's honestly, be like $5 we have a deal now. right now with everyone's local bodega. If you go to the bodega <laughs> and mention Glue guys <laughs> yeah. at the bodega, you can buy you can a buy New York Times, New York Times. already has cat urine on it, <laughs> crystallized cat urine. Um, discord.gg also a name of a good pu- punk band Ooh, crystallized cat um, discord.gg slash glue guys uh, dirty streams we do it you had a lot of people in there hey it's the playoffs people people show up anyways say goodbye Mike we're out of here <laughs>